0: Hi everyone, my name is Aspen Dudzik. I'm the Director of Communications at the Alberta Forest Products Association and I am so thrilled to be back with another episode of our podcast, Forestry Talks, and today I'm joined by Erin Tessier. Erin is the Director of Communications and Partnerships at Genome Alberta. How's it going, Erin? It's going great, thanks for having me today. Yeah, thanks for joining me. Is this your first podcast? This is my first ever podcast. Well, that's very exciting. I'm glad they are able to join me and to talk a little bit about Genome Alberta. So can mm-hmm. you tell us what you do?
1: Mm-hmm, absolutely, so we are a not-for-profit research funding organization. Um, it's our role to initiate, fund, and manage uh, research and partnerships in the field of genomics. Um, we're also part of uh, pan-canadian genomics enterprise we call it so we have a national partner which is genome canada and then we have uh, we're one of six uh, regional genome centers that are spread out across canada
0: Hmm. and how long has genome canada or any of these other branches from genome canada been around been
1: around yeah they were established in uh, 2000 um, and actually at the time genome alberta was part of genome prairie um but um Alberta just found that some of our regional interests maybe weren't as high as priority as we would like and so we actually split off from Genome Prairie in 2005 so Uh, genome alberta has existed since 2005.
0: okay Mm -hmm. very cool and so that's to really prioritize alberta specifically and what kind of opportunities there are for genomics here
1: absolutely yeah yeah every region across canada has its own economic strengths its own kind of diversity of sectors and so Mm -hmm. that's why we're here to build those regional partnerships and make sure that alberta kind of gets its fair share
0: of federal funding when it's available and also leverage those partnerships for our benefit here in the province. Yeah, Great. So um, it's interesting because genomics, to me, sounds like something very new and emerging and innovative. And and I think that may very well be the case. I certainly wouldn't have guessed that it's been around since 2000. And I Mm want to get into maybe how some of that work has evolved in the last Mm -hmm. 23 years now. Mm -hmm. Um, But before we do that, can you maybe provide us with a little bit of a description of what genomics is and what that's all about? Absolutely. So actually,
1: the best description that I've found, I mean, it is a pretty technical science. There's a lot involved. Um, But yeah, the best description I've found is that it's a bit of a mashup between genetics and biology and computer science.
0: Okay. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of things.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And that's kind of where things get interesting and cool, right? Is Mm -hmm. that you take, I mean, the technical terms are interdisciplinary or transdisciplinary. But I mean, it's really just a bunch of people with a different expertise coming together and coming up with new ideas. Mm -hmm. So the genomics part is where we collect a lot of the data through genome sequencing of any living thing. So genes. Um, Genes. Yeah. yeah. The genetic material. Um, The reason we don't refer to it as DNA is because there's other genetic material in organisms as well. And so it's that whole set of genetic material that we look at in genomics. Interesting. Yeah. And then when we generate that data, sometimes it's not just about having the data, it's what you're going to do with it. And so that's where the computer science piece comes in, and that's where some of the evolution comes in, it's the advances in machine learning and artificial intelligence that has really unleashed the insights in the reams and reams of data that we can Hmm. collect and create.
0: Very cool. So does artificial intelligence play a big role in this type of work?
1: Absolutely. There's vast amounts of data that are created um, when genomes are sequenced. Um, There's a lot of genetic material in humans, even trees have very complex Mm -hmm. um, genomes. And so uh, without kind of the analytical tools and the software development, you just don't have an ability to sort through that data. It would just take way too much time. And so it's actually the processing time that's been super decreased. When they first sequenced the human genome, it took close to 10 years to do. We can now do that work on an organism in days or weeks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really what that artificial intelligence and machine learning has done. Yeah, for the field. Yeah.
0: That's remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so Erin, when you and I had first uh, kind of connected a few months ago, you were a little bit newer to Genome Alberta, is that right?
1: Mm-hmm. So you yeah. learned
0: lots in the last couple months. Tell me a little bit about what that's been like and what kind of brought you into this world and maybe your background and, and how all that connects. Sure, yeah. So I'm still
1: a rel- relative newbie uh, to the, the world of genomics too. I joined uh, Genome Alberta in the fall. Um, so yeah, learning lots, but um every day at work i just kind of get more and more excited about the potential around this Um, when you can get insights on at a molecular level of any living thing on earth i mean this is from humans to plants to animals to trees to soil microbiota to to viruses and bacteria it's just a, a wealth of knowledge and insight that you can now apply to better understand what what you're dealing with and how you can make changes to get to a desired outcome Mm -hmm. yeah so it's it's been pretty fascinating um i actually started my career in forestry i worked for Mm -hmm. about a decade with um the forestry department of the provincial government Um, so i was also super excited to hear what was going on with the forest sector and genomics Yeah. yeah
0: So that's a great segue, because of course this podcast is ex- is all about exploring all things forestry in Alberta. So what's the connection between forestry and genomics? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, well, there's lots.
0: <laughs> lots to <laughs> so unpack, I know. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll start with
1: like a more uh, classical example and something that was probably relatable to, in people's minds and that's around tree breeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've been able to use uh, genomics technologies and applications. Um, when it comes to selecting trees in the forest um, that display characteristics, or call them phenotypes, that are desired, so whether that's for um, like forest products, desired traits, whether it's you know a better tree to harvest for a forest product down the line, or it's got some resilience to environmental conditions or pests, um, once we see, uh, sequence the genome mm-hmm. of a tree, we can understand how much the genetic composition is contributing to the superior quality of that tree. And if it is the genetics, then that's kind of a parent tree we might want to select seed from to then create progeny for
0: yeah, planting yeah. down the line. So choosing for the stronger trees essentially.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I understand is there's a lot of complexity in the DNA and the genetic material of trees, and there's a lot of um, interplay between genes and also between the genes and the environment. And so that's what genomics can do too, is understand what the expression of the genes are in the environment. So maybe that super awesome tree that we walked around we saw in the forest and like yes let's harvest some seed from that um, because it looks really great but maybe that tree just had the dumb luck of landing in the perfect spot and having Uh. the perfect environmental conditions and it's not actually it's genetics that it could pass on to a future generation so through genomics we can tell that it was the genetics and then select that particular tree
0: interesting Mm -hmm. yeah i wouldn't have considered that as Mm -hmm. one of the many factors contributing to it and you know if there's one thing that I have learned about the relationship between forestry and science and forest science, it's that it is incredibly complex. So I'm not surprised to hear that um, as well in the world of genomics. So uh, talking about selecting for stronger trees, Mm -hmm. we talked a little bit about um, maybe resiliency to things like pests. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's been a couple of projects um, through research teams um, at the U of A that have looked at Um, mountain pine beetle in particular, Mm -hmm. since we've had the outbreak. Um, And so they're able to do, there's a a related field to genomics called metabolomics, which (laughs) is some, (laughs) it relates to sort of the, the chemical responses that trees have to certain stressors. And so they can take those into the lab to also understand how the trees are developing responses differently to some of the stressors that they're Put under. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, as well, it, th- we can also sequence um, the genetic material in the beetle itself to understand oh. sort of what conditions um, the beetle finds, you know, with the trees um, that makes it, you know, maybe increases its reproductive success or oh. um, helps it the vitality of the beetle. So then knowing that information, you can also kind of pinpoint a hot spot of where a future outbreak might occur. You understand what the tree is doing with to the, in response to the beetle, you understand what the beetle's doing in response to the tree, and it helps you much more mm-hmm. identify and kind of assess the risks of where future outbreaks might occur.
0: That is super interesting. I hadn't considered also looking at the genetic data of the pine beetle as well to see what's different or or how it, I guess, responds to different trees. Um, And, you know, it's great that you're able to use this information to pinpoint where a future outbreak might occur. Um, You know, one of the things that we've been kind of fortunate about here in Alberta, um, unfortunately, our friends to the West in BC, they've their forests have been decimated by the pine beetle and it was you know it was very quick it was unexpected people maybe didn't have the opportunity and time to prepare for it and and certainly we're still really battling with it here in alberta Mm -hmm. Um, but because we've had some more opportunity to maybe observe and learn now we can look to stuff like genomics for example as a potential solution so if we can spot those hot spots um what are some ways that we can respond to that or address? Mm-hmm. And certainly our neighbors to the east are very interested yes. still about the potential spread into
1: jack pine. And so it was actually a genomic analysis. Um, I, when the beetle got into um, the hybrid zone where um, the two pines hybridize, oh. We yeah, at the time they knew that the beetles were there, but they didn't think that they were moving eastward. But there was a paper that was published. Um, that showed that they they did a genetic analysis of what they thought was a hybrid tree and it was actually a pure jack pine tree. Hmm. So there was calls over um, to our neighbors in the east and yeah. they instantly were very interested in the work that was going on because they said, well, if you've shown it can happen, yeah. um, we, we want to mitigate any potential spreads. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about hybrid trees?
1: The hybrid uh, lodgepole and jack pine? Yeah. <laughs> Depends what you want to (laughs) know, that's okay. Remember, I'm the uh, Communications and Partnerships Director. I'm not the best uh, at the science, at the science, but yeah. what I understand is yes, um, naturally jack pine and lodgepole pine trees do hybridize. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also understand is that, like for you and me observing the yeah. differences, it's not always obvious to tell. So okay. you you might misidentify, yeah. um, you might think it's a hybrid, you might think it's one species or another. And now that we have the ability to actually do mm-hmm. the genetic analysis, we c- we know if it's one species or the other. Was that kind of what you were? Yeah. well I mean, so
0: it's clear that there are maybe more trees that are susceptible than the public might realize. Mm -hmm. And
1: one of the ongoing aspects of this project um, from what we learned kind of in the early stages is to now focus on some of those marginal habitat areas and really assess how the beetle does in those. So yes, we showed that it did go into jack pine, pure jack pine trees. However, it's not an optimal habitat for the beetle. Mm -hmm. So that's where we're again doing a bit more work um, looking at um, genomics again with with the trees, the fungus and the beetle and kind of Mm -hmm. monitoring that to see if that affects kind of reproductive success. So they might be able to go there but then they might not be a big threat because it might not be, yeah something that they thrive in. So yeah, work is ongoing as we speak cool. in that area. So
0: Yeah, so essentially with all of this great information that folks like your team are collecting, mm-hmm. we can look to uh, reforest areas of Alberta's forest with potentially trees that are gonna be more resilient to pine beetle infestations in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I just wanted to clarify too that um, like sometimes there are aspects
1: of genomics like the broad field mm-hmm. where gene editing comes into play. Um, this is not the case when it comes to forestry. So I just wanted to clarify that the genomic-assisted tree breeding Mm -hmm. actually focuses on better intelligence to pick better parents. So what it can do is just give you insight into the genetic material so that you're picking... Uh, the parents that actually have the traits that you want displayed in the future mm-hmm. generations of trees so if a particular tree is drought tolerant we've identified which set of genes um, helps them do that mm-hmm. that's the one that would be selected to create the progeny that would get planted out because we are projecting hotter yeah. drier um, more variation in moisture for the forests of the future mm-hmm. so one other cool thing <laughs> Yes. <laughs> please do. Is that, um, I'm genomic? a sucker for fun facts, oh, okay. <laughs> so please share always. <laughs> well, before uh, classic tree breeding, you'd have to go out in the forest and you'd observe kind of the trees that had the desired yeah. traits that you're looking for. What the genomic analysis can do is that actually when you gather that, they can do an analysis for more types of traits. So yes, we want a tree that is good for making forest products into the future, but we also want a tree that's gonna survive in future environmental conditions. So maybe Mm -hmm. we can select for, you know, good wood density and nice tall trees that also are drought or pest resistant. Mm -hmm. And so, cause you know, um, which genes are at play? You can find the subset of trees that can do both, rather than one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the power of the genomic right. analysis too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so instead of editing the genetic data of these future tree species, we're really just selecting from the strongest batch. Yep. To create more resilient future, resilient forests. Yep. Um, for generations to enjoy. Yep.
1: It's all the natural stock that's collected out from the landscape, from the areas that these trees will be planted back to. Mm. It's just selecting the best of the best from that area because we've got the insights to be able to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Super interesting. Um, I know that The work of genomics in Alberta is not just within that realm, although there's tons to talk about there. I think you shared with me some material in advance and um, there was some interesting stuff about caribou. Can you
1: tell Mm -hmm. me about that? Yeah, there was a project that was led um, by Ontario Genomics. Um, Trent University and Environment and Climate Change Canada were kind of the industry and public sector partners on that project where they were looking to build the existing genetic data around caribou populations with additional genomics data. Hmm. Yeah and so the goal is that when we better understand population variability and population dynamics we can better understand what management tools are at play or how we conserve these species into the future.
0: Interesting and uh, are we seeing much of that being applied in Alberta here or still like kind of exploratory? That's actually a
1: good question. I don't know the answer to that. Sometimes, um, I mean, I've worked in kind of the realm of science communications for a while, and sometimes it's just hard to get the word out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hope, I know there's a very active Caribou Knowledge Network. Absolutely. Um, I know there was some Alberta connections on that project. Um, and so my hope is that that information has kind of
0: got back to the group in Alberta. Erin, you make a great point, and and maybe in the future we'll have somebody on from the Alberta Regional Caribou Knowledge Mm -hmm. Network Partnership, if I forgot that acronym, my apologies to the folks on the team, but I know that they do great work. And Mm -hmm. so it'd be, yeah, great to hear a little bit more about some of the science that's guiding that. Was there anything else you wanted to add on Caribou? Oh, yeah, just some,
1: the research is kind of at the point where we're applying technology, sometimes from other sectors, like sometimes, I mean, agriculture has, done a lot of this work for a very long time. They've they've applied these things and so we're kind of transitioning to forestry applications in some senses. So we're trying to build uh, databases and data banks of data that then we can have a standard analytical tool that can actually be used more broadly. So the work that's gone on in Ontario, once they proof of concept, the analytical tools to better understand the data and insights, then we go to expand the data set. So they might have collected a lot of information on the caribou in Ontario, Mm -hmm. but if we can integrate the data, from the Alberta Caribou, then those tools that they developed can still be applied here too. So,
0: right. Yeah. yeah. It's not about reinventing the wheel. Exactly. Sometimes it's about finding out what exists there that's working really well mm-hmm. and how can we leverage that here and, and build a solution that works for Alberta. Yep. Yeah. To me, if we've got better
1: knowledge and better insights, we should use them.
0: Right? Yeah. We can make better decisions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, one last thing that I wanted to explore with you about genomics in Alberta is um, mm-hmm. the circular economy and how yeah. your work contributes to that space.
1: Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, back at the beginning, when we were talking about what genomics is, it's you know getting genetic materials and information from all forms of life. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to the bioeconomy, there's actually been some work done. It was actually led out of um, UBC through Genome British Columbia on the bacteria that degrade lignin using particular enzymes. So what they were able to do is sequence the, do genome sequencing of the bacteria to understand how they're doing what they're doing and what traits kind of contribute to doing that better. Mm -hmm. So the hope is that, yeah, if we can use better bacteria to degrade lignin, we can get it back to component pieces that then you can build back together for things to contribute to the circular economy, whether they be bioplastics or other chemical compounds. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so that's where genomics is actually looking at bacteria to help um, future forest products potentially get to market.
0: <laughs> yeah, very cool. Lignin is one of those, I don't know, it's it's one of those materials that I think there's still so much untapped potential. It's so interesting every single time I learn about an application for lignin, bioplastics is a great example. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure it's in, in adhesives. Um, I believe I read an article where it's being used to make windows oh, wow. in a way that I'm not familiar with, and I could yeah. I could never begin to explain. But it's one of those really really cool um, materials with a lot of potential, I think. And yeah. so the purpose of this work is to find bacteria that's gonna you said degrade it better. Yeah, so
1: it's like it's like a biological degradation yeah. of the lignin. To- bring it back to component pieces um, that then you can put back together through other processes to be, yeah, building blocks for a different product.
0: More value-added product. Absolutely. Yeah, we talk all the time about how important it is to use every part of a sustainable harvest. So a tree that comes to the mill, you know, our industry takes great care to use every piece of that fiber that comes to the mill. And so these value-added products are a really great way to continue innovating Mm -hmm. and to continue adding sustainable products um, that – folks can use in the future.
1: Yeah, and I mean, genomics can take it to a whole nother level. Cause I mean, yeah, everything's break down, even the sawdust, right, is a very tiny particle, but now we're getting down to a molecular level, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Chemical constituents that we can still continue to use when they get broken down and they can be built into, made into other things. That's
0: fascinating. Awesome. Well, Erin, this has been amazing. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up?
1: Um, Maybe I'll just say that, you know, industry partnerships are really valuable. Um, to us. I think that we've we're sitting on a community and a technology that has so much potential Mm -hmm. but it's really the industry that's out there on the landscape doing their work every day. They know what the challenges are, they know what the issues are Mm -hmm. and I think all of this potential starts with a question or it starts with an idea and it's somebody saying hey you know what we've been trying to tackle this, we're getting nowhere, potentially there's a genomic solution here and so Mm -hmm. we would love to hear from people. Um, love to reach out. We have a small business development team that would be more than happy to share what they know about genomics technologies, talk about whether it's a fit
0: or it's something that could mm-hmm. help, and then go from there. So Awesome. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned you have a new website. So where where can people reach you? Where can they find out more about what you do? Yeah, come check us out at
1: genomealberta.ca. Yeah, we also have a Twitter account and LinkedIn account if people are on social media and want to follow us to see what we're up to.
0: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thanks, Erin. This Thank has been you so awesome. Thank so much. And thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Forestry Talks. Stay tuned for more. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.